This is CliffCentral.com. Here's a powerful thing. I mean, it's got a lot of firepower. If you can figure out a way to wrestle that fear, to push you from behind rather than stand in front of you, that's very powerful. Multiplying leadership, moving society the millennial way. You don't want to end up going after goals and dreams and neglect yourself. Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Tao. One Young World is a global leadership platform for young delegates from the age of 18 to 30 to discuss global social challenges. And not only discuss global social challenges, but also look at how young leaders can impact society, change the world, change business, and come up with solutions for those challenges. And just like that, um, it's another Feel Good Monday, and you are listening to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Dao. At Simply Bongani, across all social media platforms, um, we're in the building, right? <laughs> and we, we have another exciting um, knowledge-packed show um, with some wonderful leaders in the studio. We are talking um, everything One Young World um, with our fabulous designers And without wasting any further time I will start um, the show by having them introduce themselves And across from me I have a lovely gentleman by the name of Suboseso Malenga from Amakawe Awesome Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform Thank you for for coming through and hanging with us And the lovely lady that introduced us to the show Tepiso Ramatewa, business coach and entrepreneur Awesome and lastly, uh, Lerato Sidiadia, uh, management consultant at Deloitte and uh, entrepreneur. Awesome. So here's the thing. We, our guests have just returned from the Netherlands to attend um, a powerful um, summit, um, conference, um, however you, you'd like to look at it, um, that focused on various issues that are affecting uh, various countries in the world. Um, so they brought together over 2,000, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, young leaders like ourselves um, to come in and, and voice what the problems of their countries are, but as well and most importantly, to come up with solutions to those problems. And our guest today will tell us about uh, their trip to the Netherlands um, before we move into our subject of discussion today. So I will start with uh, Lerato. How was the experience and what were your highlights from One Young World? So um, One Young World, uh, really, really, really cool um, summit to have attended. Uh, I went um, on behalf of Deloitte, representing Deloitte South Africa um, and Deloitte Africa alongside uh, Bamise from Deloitte Nigeria. Um, we went with the objective of uh, representing some of the work that uh, Deloitte is doing around the world okay. with a 
big focus on quality education, um, the fourth SDG uh, goal currently. Uh, we we came out with with a lot of cool connections and um, some awesome ideas for us to kind of take forward some of the work we're already doing as Deloitte. Um, over and above that, I'm a part of uh, a couple of initiatives uh, that uh, served as very relevant um, at at One Young World. Okay. One being um, African um, development disruptors. Uh, we basically upskill uh, professionals and youth within um, Africa, helping them prepare for for work uh, within the world of work um, with various skills. Okay. I feel One Young World, the experience itself, kind of helped, um, kind of give perspective as to what some of the other people throughout Africa and the world are currently um, experiencing, some of the problems they're currently experiencing, Mm -hmm. and some cool solutions as to how to approach, um, you know, kind of uh, solving these problems uh, within our immediate community and how we could uh, potentially also work together. As different leaders from different parts of the world, mm-hmm. um, one of the highlights was a uh, was a talk that was given by um, the CEO um, of RB. Yes, um, I loved loved, and I think um, our leaders here as well will agree. I, I loved how he used he used um, uh, visuals to kind of engage with the audience. Okay. He gave us these uh, these nice. Uh, if I could say like bracelets of some sort sure. um, That would light up whenever he would speak about statistics Like whenever he would say, for example um, A quarter of, of, of children around the world You know, are currently suffering with, uh, with uh, diarrhea And then, you know, kind of that quarter would be representative within the room Oh, interesting So it, wow. was, it was so cool to see to see kind of um, 2,000 um, delegates As you mentioned before sure, sure. Um, Kind of get involved in the interviews Another highlight for me was when uh, one of the gentlemen uh, who was, uh, you know, kind of a speaker um, shared his story on how his father um, uh, abused and eventually killed um, his his family. It was mm. really, really heartfelt. Mm. Um, you, it just shows you, you know, we may think we're solving certain problems, but to find that at a later state, you know, kind of being at the event, you see that there's much bigger problems that yes. people are dealing with. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Um, Tebiso. Yes. So what were your highlights, uh, from attending One Young World and what were your, some of, some of your take homes as well? So for me, it was my fourth time attending okay. One Young World. Um, I, I, and the reason why I decided to go after taking five years off was because of a, the network that you get okay. from One Young World. You get to meet people from all over the world And I strongly believe in young South Africans being globally competitive Okay And the only way we can be globally competitive Is if we actually go out into the world And see what other people are doing The kinds of conversations people are having But also sharing best practice Because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel to come up with a solution Yes But if you hear somebody's doing something in a certain area of interest That might inspire you to actually maybe try it out Mm -hmm. when you come back home Mm -hmm. So, um for me, the network is is huge because even my third business actually started it because of a delegate from Jamaica that I met when One Young World was in South Africa in 2013. Okay. And Kirk really inspired me to start this business because they used South Africa as a case study for the business in Jamaica. And I thought, well, if it could work in Jamaica and use that <laughs> as a case study, that, that means I can do it. And sure. that's what I did last year. I started it. And also, you know, getting access to... Global leaders and um, 
funding as well for for social impact um for i mean facebook has a social entrep- uh, social enterprise fund now for one young world delegates so you know there is that that element of yes these are the issues that we have in the world mm-hmm. and we want you guys to do something about it but we are also going to back you mm. because funding is an issue but when you have you know global backing it really helps us to 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 actually come back home and, and have a real impact and yes. for me that's the most important thing going to the netherlands was amazing mm-hmm. But we need to come home and actually we have a responsibility to change things. And implement, right? Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Spuda. Yeah, so I think um, much like Lerato and Sepiso, you know, I think for me it was very, fun- it was phenomenal. It was a, a great experience. I mean, just engaging with leaders from around the world as well. Um, and just hearing how they do things differently in their country, although maybe our visions might be aligned, but because of like their communities and their cultures where we do things differently. And um, Lerato spoke about uh, Rakesh Kapoor. Yes. Which is a story that completely touched me Where I was like one in three kids around the world Do not have toilets mm. So he mm. went on this whole mission of combating diarrhea By building toilets within India And this is a powerful company that owns Durex It's a listed company, absolutely mm. powerful And they're still giving back to their community And I was saying that while I was sitting there And I just thought to myself, okay, when I go back home What exactly will I say I brought back So on the plane while digesting everything I decided to come up with ICU Which okay. is the term and the phrase that I think That I've embedded in my life from the day I landed to whenever God calls me home. You know? <laughs> and I mean, the acronym for us, when we say ICU, we think of intensive care unit. Okay. And I thought of it as intentional, committed, and unified. Okay. So because that's how we need to be do, doing our things. We need to be intentional about the people that we're approaching, okay. uh, about the work that we're doing on the ground, what we're doing for people, and what we're doing for ourselves. We need to be committed because it's never going to be easy. Okay. There's always going to be obstacles. There's going to be a lack of funding here. There's going to be a lack of support here because people are, pro, are anti the idea of whatever you're trying to do and and unity. unity whereas we have a, 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 as ambassadors now, once we came back from One Young World, we were delegates. Once the summit ended, we were called uh, ambassadors. Sure. So now you tap into what Sapiso mentioned and that's like the ambassadors that are around where people are doing so many different things that you're able to gain some knowledge. I mean, if I need some ideas on strategy, I know Lerato is the go-to guy to go to. Mm-hmm. If I need any advice on entrepreneurship, how do I action something? Because it's easy to dream, but mm-hmm. to action something is very difficult. So yes, I speak yes. to Sepiso, and Sepiso will be able to show me that, like, listen, smooth, this is how you go about it. This is how you turn this idea into a tangible product, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for me, it was, I mean, just you, you hear about things like xenophobia within mm-hmm. South Africa, and I think mm-hmm. one of the most Heart-wrenching things Was to hear and see The refugees From around the world Whereas we look at guys Coming from Zimbabwe And we have xenophobia Because as South Africans Our mindset says Listen they're here To take our jobs They're here to take our country Whatever Whereas these guys Are fleeing their countries Like where they could die If they spent an extra day In that country For them to be in a different country Trying to piece together a life Which is probably non-existent And then die anyway And die anyway And these guys are so strong So for me that was really Really powerful And it was so visual Because I mean One of the, the delegates That I've decided to keep A relationship with And I respect her so much Was a lady by the name Of Helda Mary From Uganda She's just an incredible She's just a hero I mean I've never really had To interact many times With people that have been raped Etc But like for the the strength That you just get From the other delegates And how you actually say I mean your show starts With like how you combat fear Sure You understand And like for me The way she did it Was incredible It was mm-hmm. phenomenal You know And I think Those are one of the things That we learned From the One Young World Summit mm-hmm. I mean it was Information overload But we needed time To digest it And when you speak And you meet All these people mm-hmm. It's very easy To actually be able To plug yourself Into their situation Empathy not sympathy And yes. just see Where exactly They're coming from mm. 
Yeah. Interesting. Let's get a bit into into your personal lives before we get into tackling um, issues in, in general society. So I'd like to know where you grew up um, and then how you ended up being the person that you are. So studying what you're studying, working where you're working, and, and doing what you're doing. Um, so we'll start with Tepiso. Um, I grew up in the Val um, with my grand, go Eva Doni. Um, and then when my parents could afford to sort of take me and raise me, um, I moved back home with my parents. And for me, both of my parents are entrepreneurs. Okay. So it was very easy to, you know, qualify as a coach and start a business. Sure. And I also get that it's not that way for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been such a gift to me because it, it really, Allowed me to dream I always say You know I get my capacity To dream from my mom And I get my courage From my dad Because wow. it takes a lot of courage To go out and do something That other people aren't doing mm-hmm. um, And I studied coaching I was actually studying law And coaching at the same time I was studying law in Joburg I was studying coaching in Cape Town And it just got to a point Where I needed to choose one Okay and when I looked at what had the most impact for me as a 19 year old, it was the coaching. Yes. Because I was the youngest person in the room and I was seeing people in their 40 successful business people mm. realizing that they were unhappy with their lives and the choices that they'd made. Mm. And I just thought, I, I don't want that to be me. Mm-hmm. I want to consciously create my life. But sure. so many of us don't have the tools to consciously create our sure, lives. Sure. You sort of or find yourself. As well. Yeah, you find yourself in an environment and you think, okay, this is the next thing that I need to do because everybody's doing it. But that doesn't have to be it. Mm-hmm. And then you find yourself, you're unhappy. You don't know why you're unhappy. You don't know how to change things. And my commitment was to empowering young people and giving them the tools and the resources to consciously create their lives. Because even when you go through Challenges It's just acknowledging That it's just a challenge Because life Is going to be challenging Mm -hmm. There's never going to be A time where It's not challenging Mm -hmm. But it really is about saying Okay cool This is a challenge But this is the life I chose Yes So it's just about Figuring out my way Through this challenge Mm -hmm. You know And when we look at The tragic loss of WHP It Mm -hmm. it really for me Brings The importance of people Having resources Mm -hmm. And access because when you look, no, you know, depressed people must go to therapy. Therapy is expensive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. You know, coaching. Yes. Coaching is expensive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do so much free coaching because it is expensive. Corporates pay me because they can afford to pay me. Sure. But young business people can't afford coaching mm-hmm. even though they need it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really is about access. And if people had more access, would people feel that hopeless? And for me, it's been such a big question. I mean, the first message I saw when I landed was that WHP talk of it. And it was huge because my family's from Mafiking. Yes. So it's also like all my cousins and now everybody's going to Mafiking for the memorial. And it's just such talent and it's such a loss. But I, I really hope it opens up the conversation around mental health and around accessibility because rich people can access what they need to access. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's still poor people. Who don't have access to healthcare, mm, education, mm, mm. you know, you know, mental health resources. And for me, that's why coaching is so important. And that's why I want to empower young people. And I mean, to consciously think about create. it. When you, when you go to a, um, a township, the rise of Shibins was because we were dealing with the fiery, um, past. Yeah. And that in itself started a vicious cycle where if we're going to rely on substance abuse, to deal with one thing mm. Then that creates a whole ball of other problems Because when 
obviously you're intoxicated, you're going to start abusing mm. people, mm. and then it, it just trickles, and mm. and and then it's it's a, it's a vicious cycle for for people in township. Studying coaching and having coached a, a couple of people, what's the one principle that has remained constant in helping you to move people from a point where they were unhappy or not content with their lives mm. and and started shifting to where they wanted to be? You know, I coach um, at a school in Tembisa. Okay. And a lot of times when you speak to the, the, the kids about what they want to be, they'll give you the same five professions. Sure. And sometimes people don't know what they don't know. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And And I think there's an expectation that people need to figure it out. But you, how are you going to figure things out or even know that something is possible mm. if you've never seen it? Mm. So if your whole life, when mm. that's all you know, and you see girls that have weaves and nice clothes, and those are the girls that are sleeping with the married men and mm. the taxi drivers. And the, I had a, you know, a 13 year old, I was asking her about her math results and she said, I don't have time for school because I have a boyfriend. Wow. And that's my, that's my priority. Wow. Maintaining that relationship because these new shoes, that's where I got them. And, it is heart wrenching mm. because at the end of the day, I feel so guilty because I drive out of Tembisa and go to the suburbs and leave that day. But they stay there and that's their everyday reality. And even if you're in a school like Ponelopeli that is half funded by Oracle, they have smart boards, they have tablets, they have Wi-Fi. That school should be a shining beacon in that community. Mm-hmm. And you look at the kids, they still have exactly the same challenges that the school down the road that doesn't have chalk, that doesn't have resources. How is that? How is that? How are we missing that opportunity? These kids have astronauts from NASA coming to speak to them. Wow. And I mean, they're more resources, resource than some Model C schools in the suburbs, mm. smart boards and, la- and laptops. And, but it doesn't seem to have shifted anything. And my question is, why is that? Because we could throw money into these communities, but there's still a mindset shift or change that still needs to happen for, mm-hmm. for people to then leverage the resources that are actually literally right down the road. So what, what, what principle do you give them to say, this will help you to actually use these resources, this will help you to be better, um, granted where you are um, and where you want to go? You know, I bring in a lot of, you know, colleagues, a lot of friends that are successful and that have overcome, you know, similar challenges. Okay. Because I think it's very easy to resonate with somebody who's gone through what you're going through. Sure. And who tells you that, listen, you're, I, you could be a CA. I'm a CA. This is how I did it. This is what I focused on. This is what I studied. And this is where you can get information. Mm. And it just, that accessibility can literally change someone's life because mm-hmm. something that was you know, not even a possibility before. Now it's like, oh, geez, okay, actually, I can do that. Yeah. I can go study food technology. You know, the Magnum ice cream was created by someone. Yes. And I'm really into food and I love cooking. Sure. So I could become a food technologist and I can work for Nestle and I can work for Unilever and I can, and I can do all of that. I don't have to become a nurse. I don't have to become a paramedic. I don't have to become a cop. <laughs> I don't have to, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. All those things and really looking at what are kids, what are our strengths? Because even I was, I was training a group of CAs and I asked them what their strengths were. And like people were so shook. Like, what, what do you mean? These are CAs <laughs> in, a, you know, boardroom incented. And it's like, if we don't know what our strengths are, what are we going out into the world and giving? Yes. 
Because then you feel like Actually I got nothing to give Because I don't know What I'm really dope at Because I don't have to be Great at everything mm-hmm. I suck at a lot of things But I'm really good At a lot of things yeah. And that's what I leverage And I try to teach These kids that mm. So if you're You know you're a mechanic And your grandfather Was a mechanic And you can strip a car We watch the Formula 1 Every single day mm. Why can't we put these kids On a plane And they can end up Working in Abu Dhabi For the Grand Prix it's a possibility yes. Because a mechanic is a mechanic Whether you're a mechanic or Tembisa All you need is just a little bit more education <laughs> And you could be at the F1 But sure, you, sure. being able to dream is such a gift But you need to know that you know Your dreams are valid And some of those things can actually happen Materialize mm. Spuda mm. Um, let's, 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 let's get into your, your past and, and your upbringing And how you got to where you are And why you do what you do so my upbringing, um, it's quite a simple story. I was raised by a single mother, um, who remarried again. Um, so he was always a, a very key part of my life, yeah. even till today. So in terms of my study and my education, what I have is, um, I've studied psychology. Okay. And I then obviously went through a couple of experiences post, um, well, pre, within varsity and post varsity. Mm-hmm. Obviously you get, um, a lot of things that basically impact you in a sense of where there's substances, there's alcohol, there's drugs, there's certain decisions that people make from a very young age. And I found that those things kind of molded me in the person that I became, um, sure. moving into the corporate environment, overcoming certain things. And, um, with my co-founder, Tabo, um, Tabo de Demo, um, we founded Amatawe together and we brought in two incredible people, um, Mbali Ndaba and, uh, Brian, um, who help us with running the organization. And we found that, like, you know what, each and every one of us has actually gone through something. And, uh, my experience that I bring, so obviously I'd say, my expertise would be with regards to substance abuse and so forth and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Tabo has his own unique experience where he actually used that to basically build and give back to the community or give back to the people that we're speaking to. So in terms of my upbringing, it's very simple. It's very streamlined. I mean, single parent, but I never felt like it was a single parent um, uh, raising uh, me and my younger sister. So yes. we had a full family. It was very good. I don't think I've ever been uh, one that can say that I was abused as a child and these formed and molded me. But what I did see is that all the people that were my friends that did have those experiences, their experiences kind of shifted my th- way of thinking and the way I dealt with certain situations. So mm-hmm. I was never, I was more, growing up, I was more a person that wanted uh, people's people's uh, authorization over my life, people to basically say, yes, you're doing the right thing or this and this and this and this. So I always wanted people to basically give me that vote of vote of thanks or, or that encouragement. And I thought to myself that, but why can't I do it myself? And when you look around, a lot of people that are actually going through these things are people that actually feel like they need to get someone to basically say, you are good here, you are doing this. So that form of encouragement and everybody needs encouragement. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, what does it translate to? Because some kids just want to belong. Yes. Some people just want to be part of the cool crew, not realizing that that cool crew is going to be like the girl who's just like not willing to study, but just yes. wants the beautiful shoes, right? Sure, sure. We're stealing cars. We, we, we're doing drugs and so forth. But five years down the line, what does that translate to in your natural life? Hmm. You know what I mean? You take out so much time trying to please people, whereas you start retracting and pulling out of your own life and your own purpose and your own vision. And these were things that kind of like, Pushed me and made me want to say, listen, what can I do? So Tab and I met, came together. We started speaking. We said, listen, these are our lives. We mm-hmm. can't say they were very bad lives, mm-hmm. but we can say there are people that are actually 
are going through much, much worse. Sure. So what we try to do is just like bridge that gap and just basically make sure that people get the assistance that they need at any point when they need it. You know, it's, sure. it's, it's really something that, that has been quite key and central in the last five years of my life because I think pre that, I think I was very lost. I okay. didn't really know what I wanted to do, what, what I wanted to be. I wasn't confident in myself. I didn't think I was good enough to be in certain circles, certainly not to be interviewed on the radio because of my experience at The Hague. Sure, sure. So, so from when I made that decision, things around me started transforming. My way of thinking started changing. The way I view people started changing mm. where I'm not easily intimidated anymore. Sure, sure. And I believe that that is something that society as a whole, especially men within South Africa need to get because that you spoke about abuse and substance abuse mm. where I believe that men, we've got this whole BEE thing, right? And women are being lifted up in the corporate space and so forth, which is great. We're fully behind it. But now, when you come home as a successful woman in the office who's able to tell men how to behave, how to do their job, et cetera, et cetera, and you mm-hmm. come home, you can't necessarily come back home with that same attitude, right? You need to respect that this is your husband. Your husband needs to respect that this is my wife. And your communication has to be level and fair. Sure. And where you find men being intimidated, and what does that translate to? Substance abuse, and mm. uh, be it alcohol, be it drugs, and then domestic abuse as well. I'm not saying that is the sole reason for domestic abuse, but from the situations that I've seen and my experiences and my exposure, I realized mm-hmm. that, like, you know what, this is why... Men are so insecure because they cannot have a woman who's more powerful than them. If we say as black men, traditionally, you're supposed to be the breadwinner. Mm. But society today has your wife earning four times more than you, two times more than you. And you as a man still need to feel comfortable in your shoes to say, Mm. this is my wife. Regardless of whether we're in society, everything is, we're a unit. And that goes back to my ICU, the you in the ICU saying that we're unified, unified family. Where everything we achieve, every point of success is between the both of us. So it's Mm. not that Wongani bought the missus a car The missus can't buy Wongani a car Because then Wongani is going to feel like less of a man Mm -hmm. So we we just have to basically Re-engineer and readdress how we view Certain things So like The people that are actually calling in and say please Give a coaching lesson that mm. if you're not happy with what you're earning as a nine to five, perhaps maybe start something on the side. Open a car wash, do something. You know what I mean? That will actually make you feel like more of a man and more of a provider because essentially that's all what we want to do. Mm-hmm. It's not that we want a woman to be at home and in the kitchen, etc. It's just that men want to be a provider. It's just the limitations of what they're able to provide kind of translates to certain behavior characteristics mm. which are negative and they're killing our society. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and we start wanting to control the woman. We start wanting to control control everything and around us and mm. not everything is meant to be controlled by us yes and my mother a very powerful senior person where she works you know so so i came to understand what senior women look like and what mm. how senior women should carry themselves and i'm so glad that my wife does exactly that you okay. know like i feel like that's how she carries herself and that's how she's also invested in me it might not have been financial or whatever but in terms of who i was spiritually emotionally and everything she invested so much that i became so confident around myself not confident not arrogant mm-hmm. because i know my levels and i know my limits and that's one thing that i i, I can honestly say that my, my my upbringing was very was very key into how i relate to people how mm-hmm. i see situations and how i allow certain things to affect me sure and i'm not perfect i'm still a work in progress mm-hmm. but that's what's good because all the talks that we we hold as amatawe like we 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 speak to men but you find responses from these men speaking to you and you're like, geez, I actually was not doing that in my own personal life. Maybe I need to reconfigure and readjust this mm. so I can land it better the next time. Mm-hmm. And not only in front of people, but by yourself, for yourself and for your family mm. and your friends, etc. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Lerato. Yeah. Your, 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 your background, um, how you ended up where you are. 
and why you do what you do. Okay, so um, I'll start off by disclaiming that um, I am only 25. <laughs> However, um, so I I was born in a small town called Fixburg in Free State. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Uh, I I was brought up in you know your traditional your traditional home setting with a mother, father. Sure. I'm the eldest of three sons, and uh, we moved quite a bit in my younger years, and uh, kind of in that moving. I started learning that different environments offer different opportunities, right? Sure. And I saw that based on where I am in life, uh, when I was very young, based on where I am, these are the types of options that I have as a child. To Teppi's point, you kind of, you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know, right? Yes. So for a big part of my, my upbringing, I wanted to be what my father was, which is an economist. I thought, oh, that looks cool. You know, he, he goes to work, he comes home, he buys us stuff. It cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want to be that someday. But, uh, as time went on, my parents went through, uh, uh, like a financial situation based on, um, an investment that they made a while back. Uh, this experience kind of opened my eyes to a very big degree that, you know, you need to, you need to keep your options open as a person. Okay. You don't focus on doing or being a part of one specific thing and hoping that one thing will, will, you know, kind of provide for the type of lifestyle you want, for the, the type of opportunities that present themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And I, then from that point wanted to be a businessman because it seemed sure. like businessmen kind of had it together. <laughs> didn't, didn't know what in business, but I knew that, you know, I want to be something in business, not sure. so much uh, an employee, but something in business, right? Um, I went through, through, um, a couple of, 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 of experimental, uh, journeys where when I was 15, I started my first business, which was a car wash business in our, in our, um, complex. Uh, had a, a nice client base, but you know, when you're young, you think even a mere thousand rand is a lot of money. Right? Sure, so you're like, sure. Yeah, I'm doing very well. <laughs> um, started that and I saw, you know, it taught me the basics. It taught me, you know, you need to be able to, to, you know, provide something of value in order to get, um, to, to get people to want to kind of put money in that thing of value. Sure, sure. Um, I got a lot of buy-in from people who pitied me, I'd say, in, in that stage. But with time, I improved the service, improved the quality, improved the offering. And, um, you know, it did well for itself. But um, I then started having bigger goals that would help me achieve my businessman um, ambition of being developing my leadership skills. Um, uh, that ambition uh, translated in me eventually becoming deputy head boy at the at Sutherland High School. By the way, I think Gareth Cliff is from Sutherland High School. I'm not <laughs> sure. Do not quote me on this. <laughs> However, um, so I I really pushed myself to to make uh, head boy at the time, but ended up making deputy head boy, and um, that really helped me to see that in life you sometimes need to just take chances. Yes. You need to set your set yourself for 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 success but kind of aim really high in case in case you don't really hit that target you sure. still fall somewhere within sure. within um within um that ambition right? well so somebody sorry <coughs> sorry to ahead. cut you there yep. somebody told me that a wise man knows that um they they plan but if the plan does not go according to the plan it's yeah. part of the plan yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly and my actually to that very very uh uh quote that you just said my personal drive um my quote is you should always um have a have a plan to win otherwise you're planning to fail right so if you don't plan to win automatically 
subsequently you fail sure. in whatever the the non plan was so i i would always try my utmost best to to see what i need to do i'd always work backwards if i want to be this thing what do i need to do a year from then two years from then three years from then in order for me to get to that specific goal so fast forward a bit um a couple of years further on i am now um a student at the university of johannesburg and i am uh studying entrepreneurial management become entrepreneurial ma- management because you know that ambition of sure, being a businessman sure, sure. but found that you know all this stuff is theory 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 you know it's it's you'll find a lot of the times that the people you even studying with come from privilege Oh yes, they come from. Cause they, yeah. they they just want to get the paper because they've got the funding and everything waiting exactly, for them. Exactly, everything is already set up at home. They're just there to kind of get the the skills to help them either grow or maintain whatever has been started at yes. home. I'm not from that type of uh, background. My mother was in the accounting space. Father's in the economic space. Literally, all I knew growing up for a big for a big uh, part of my life was working for someone. However, knew that I want to be a businessman, right? So. This this actually taught me uh, this whole journey that I've just explained before now going into the world of work. It taught me that a lot of the times, as young people, we need to understand the options, the opportunities out there for us, and mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. difficult to know what is out there unless you're exposed to it, exposed to it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also very difficult to engage with people and ask them for for them to teach you something if you don't really know what you're asking for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we took it upon ourselves. Um, I think I was 20 now. Yes, I was 20. Uh, we started a company called RR Creative Solutions. Um, the objective of this company initially was just to, to, to do anything and everything marketing initially. Sure. We, sure. we were just kind of casting our net and hoping to get, you know, clients from every, every, every end. Um, we found that a lot of the times we would be Casting the net, but not really being specific enough as to how we could add value to, to the, to the, to the, to the customer. And then I reflected, hey, but you know, when you started the business before, you need to provide something of value, right? You need to, so we refined it. We, we eventually found the, the ideal customer that would actually buy what we had to offer. And, uh, in doing that, we were upskilling people on the side, uh, who would help us provide that value. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Sanchez. He's also involved in the, the, uh, uh, African development disruptors. Mm-hmm. He helped us with the facilitations of, um, some of the promotional work that we did initially. Um, he would train, uh, various young, uh, people within, um, Within Gauteng and uh, prep them to be to be willing and ready to to service whatever the client needed at events. He would also train people to to know how to speak over the phone, you know, basic mm-hmm. things. But those skills later helped these people achieve their goals later in life. One of the ladies who worked for us straight after working for us um, got a got a a, a job at Coca Cola, oh. which, which was really cool in, in the sales department. Interesting. Um, so I I thought, hey. If you can teach people basic things like this and they can then go on and do other things, surely we can teach them how to engage, uh, better engage with people in corporate, in business, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where the idea of now um, starting ADD came about. You, you see that a lot of the times you go to school to study a specific uh, discipline, in my case, entrepreneurial management and strategic management, but... 
Um, there's so much more that one actually needs to know in order to make something of that formal qualification, sure. such as EQ skills, mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. as um, problem-solving skills, mm-hmm. critical thinking skills, sure. um, coding skills. Yes. So all these different skills help enable you to be able to put together the pieces of the uh, puzzles uh, to help you build that um, ideal future for yourself and to mm. impact others as well at a later stage. Mm. Um, so yeah, ADD was born and we, we currently help people service that need. Um, Deloitte is, is, is in support of the, the work that I do, which is actually one of the main reasons why I, I joined a, a, a consultancy such as Deloitte. Um, I knew that I still need, I still have a lot to learn myself, um, within business. Uh, I felt consulting would give me that edge, would give me, um, that learning to be able to, to phrase certain concepts, uh, you know, uh, clearly to, to be able to problem solve, um, to engage with business leaders. And, you know, that has really helped me as an individual also, uh, identify opportunities on a very strategic level. Mm, mm, um, mm. yeah. So I think that's, uh, without saying too much, that is my, <laughs> my, my journey. <laughs> so. Um, from our thousand meter steeplechase, we we are we are going for the four hundred meter run now. This yeah. is this is where um, we were showing off. We 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 taking out everything that we were holding back because we were building up the pace. South Africa has a lot of challenges, and in in those challenges, I guess the highlight, especially relevant to us, is is youth unemployment. Mm-hmm. With ridiculous statistics, right? Um, so we've, we've gone from a place where you would drive past, um, a Lani area and one of your teachers would use that as a reference to say, if you go to university and you get a degree, you can live here. Mm-hmm. But now we have people with doctorates and, and even worse PhDs that are on street lights, mm-hmm. um, begging for jobs. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things from your observations, um, from your understanding of the world, from your experiences that you feel as a country we need to start looking at to be able to address um, such concerns as this? Sbuda. So the, one of the things that I want to use, and I want to throw something right back at you. Let's look at our government in terms sure. of our ministers that are in power, right? Sure. All in, in office. If we're not looking from a very senior level mm-hmm. to empower the youth, mm. How can we then deem ourselves ready to transform it to a societal space? Interesting. For example, if we look at our current fine minister of finance right now, brilliant guy, has been there, right? But who's his second in command? He's almost at retirement age, but once he steps down from the office, are we going to get another person that's 50 plus to come in? Whereas we could have actually got someone who is in their 40s being mentored to become the next finance minister. Mm. So number one, as a country, we're not looking at empowering youth. Yes. That's the first Mm. thing. And we always think that it's a blanket approach that will give companies um, some form of funding or some benefits for them to have internships. Mm. Whereas after the internships, they, it really does not Nothing translate happens. to yes. like employment. I sure, mean, the sure. person you've got experience now, go out and look. Yeah. Yes. Case in point, there are 2 million people that are still looking. You had the opportunity, and it's not that you did anything wrong, mm-hmm. but it's just that like from, from the top level down, mm-hmm. we're really not doing it. If we wanted to create jobs, we've got some, and I'm not advocating for people that are over 50 and whatever to get retrenched and whatever. I'm absolutely mm. not. Mm. But what I'm saying is that like, if we cannot look at it from our policies mm. and our politics, 
How then can we expect people, ordinary people on the streets to basically do? Lerato can open a car wash mm. and empower 10 to 15 kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. He still has to pay for water, electricity. He still has to pay for, for, for UIF, etc. Mm. There are no incentives for the small mm. company. Yes. So even if he does that, and it does not mean that it's limited to the point that this kid will work in Lerato's car wash for the mm-hmm. rest of his life. Mm-hmm. He also wants that house in Daneford. He also yes. wants that house mm. in Bryanston, right? Mm-hmm. But how is Lerato then going to empower that kid besides teaching him the tricks of entrepreneurship? Mm. When he learns the tricks of entrepreneurship, who does he go to for funding? Mm. Lerato doesn't have the funds to fund him. Yes. That's with government. But because I won't even say that we're looting or whatever, mm. we literally have no strategies. We're not, we're not positioned well mm. to be a company that empowers the youth, to be a company that is pro-entrepreneurship. Mm. All we want to do is to become box tickets at the end of the day. Mm. That if I can get a job 9 to 5 for 21 days to 25 days and get my paycheck, that's it. Mm. And what we're literally breeding is a system of laziness. Mm. Because people become so accustomed to earning a job that when you be retrenched or whatever, your they next option is to, to literally go look for a job where sure. there's so many people that are already looking for jobs, but we're not giving you the skills to say that if you lose your job, you can easily bounce back. It might not be the same level in terms of earnings that you are getting, but yes. you can be able to bounce back and do certain things that will allow you to empower yourself by being an entrepreneur and building the economy. How we see us building the economy is just by working for some person mm. in an ivory tower and saying, that's who we deserve <laughs> to be. You know what I mean? And, not, and all employers are good. Yeah. Um, yeah, y- yeah. D- d- to Sue's point, um, we also don't do enough to support entrepreneurship yes. in our country. Mm. No, l- listen, you know? and I, I don't, need, I don't even know if enough <laughs> is, you know, begins to explain yeah. it, because I know people that go to NYDA, mm. um, CEDA, and all these different places, sure. and they'll tell them, "You don't have this." They get it. You don't have that. They get it. And then they've got all these papers and have done all these different things that they were required. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, they're like, um, yeah. you, you still need to get an entrepreneurship um, certification. Yes. And, and, and then it's like, okay, so this person, first of all, has to spend money to go to your offices. Mm. And they don't have mm. that money to begin with. Mm. And then to get all these different documents in place as well, mm. that's money. They yeah. do not have yeah. that money. You know, for me, um, A, not, there is no, not enough support mm. and also big business takes advantage of smaller businesses big business will always claim that they don't have money if you look mm. at how many organizations have gone out of business because they were not paid on time mm. if you look at mm. you know government has ed money that has been businesses mandated to spend but you look at the impact it's honestly a tick box exercise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a client who, you know, will call and say, listen, we need to, you know, pay you this money before the end of the financial year. And there is no project for that money. So what are you paying it for? What is the impact here? So Do you understand what I mean? So, so I'd like to, I'd like to challenge that. Not that I'm saying, you know, what you're saying is wrong. I'd just like to challenge it. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm currently on an enterprise and supply development uh, project. Pro- yeah. Okay. Um, as okay. a, as a consultant for one of the big mining companies. Sure. Um, yes. Uh, a lot of the times we, we get in and find that the, there's no clarity and there's no structure around the ESD process. Yeah. Yeah. However, you find that the reason why there is no so much clarity is because um, when the government kind of gives off uh, the mandate mm. as to what needs to be looked at, I'll even refer to the mining chart as an example or mm. the uh, the DMR. Um, 
you find that there's a whole lot of writing, a whole lot of things that were said, a whole lot of of expectations. Mm. However, to 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 implement um, what's been written is very difficult. Mm. Like it's it's very hard to convince your your head office in say um, uh, Nigeria or Australia or wherever it may be. Right, it, very difficult to convince them to to want to invest funds towards a specific. Uh, South African focused mandate. Yeah. Um, so you need to start off by, by helping them, um, form clarity around mm-hmm. how they would communicate that to the, mm-hmm. to the, to the stakeholder mm-hmm. okay. in a foreign country, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Once you've, once you've understood, or once everyone is kind of on the same page, that's where now you can start forming that, uh, that structure yeah. to, to actually help companies 100%. and make that impact. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's where, that's where, uh, and, and, and it, I'm kind of going off point, but I'm going to come back to yeah. what you're saying. That's where um, the problem lies within South Africa. I feel too many um, uh, problems are being thrown at government. Mm. 100%. I think government can can solve some of the problems, fine, and they shouldn't give us excuses. Some of these things really should be um, sort of a simple thing like infrastructure or energy. Mm. You need, as a government, you need to give us the solutions and say where you need help. Um, but when it comes to structuring things like ESD programs, mm. have the guys who have the brains to do it to do it, mm. and then and then have those very same guys as well mm. be the ones who teach people how to, um, you know, be be super beings, how mm. to be better people in and society. I get that, and it would be one thing if it was just multinationals that are getting it wrong. Okay. Okay. South African. You know, South African businesses are getting it wrong. Sure. If we look at these ED hubs, mm-hmm. what's the actual impact? Sure. Because you saying you you know you offer people internet, office space, and For access what? to phone. That's not the only thing mm. that that makes a successful business. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but that's not enough. Yes, sure. giving people access to Wi-Fi isn't enough. Sure. To and do what with the white Do you understand what I mean? And, yeah. and, and corporate citizens in this country have a responsibility. Sure. Because it's exactly what I think the saying. private sector actually even has the financial muscle. 100%. To come in and actually do serious impact. And, and one young world for me, I love business. I'm all about business and I'm all of, and, and I'm about conscious capitalism. Okay. And, and for me, it really highlighted it's about people and profit. I'm not, business needs to make money at sure, the end of the day. Sure, and that's sure, a fact. Sure. You understand what I mean? Yeah. But there's also a people element to it. Okay. It's about organizations. I mean, you look at Credit Suisse, Credit Suisse, you know, looking at how they can invest for, to create social, um, impact and, why are organizations not doing that? Mm. And at the end of the day, these organizations are not run by robots. Mm. Yes. They run by people. Yes. Yeah. People with experiences just like, you know, experiences that we see when we go out there into the world. Mm. You know, you, you don't just walk into corporate and know what you're doing. Sure. At yeah, some sure. point, you didn't know what you were doing. There's mm-hmm. a learning that takes place. hundred yes. percent. Yeah. So when we create graduate programs or internships, really it's about being intentional about what it is that we're trying to create here. Mm. And also respecting that these are people's lives. Yes. You have young people People in the room that are going to be coming to your organization every single day mm-hmm. for a year and to walk away with what? Because it's not enough just to say, you know, they were here for a year. Mm-hmm. Look at what, you know, mm-hmm. all the points that we've been able to get from and from skills levies or that's not enough. Mm-hmm. These are still young people who are going to go out into the world and have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. So even grad programs, why are you doing this? 
what is the intention behind this thing? Mm. Because at the end of the day, the money's still being spent. Yes. And for me, that's the whole thing. It really is about impact. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we spending this money? The money gets spent, but to what? To to what impact? What has changed? It's not measurable. We no. we we we're not seeing the results. The stats are fake. No. For me, you giving me a report about how many entrepreneurs are coming to work in your organization isn't enough. If that's the degree of the impact that you're having as a as an innovation hub or as an ED hub, then that's not enough. Hmm. So, so I, I, what I wanted to tap in, and it's both to what Sepis and Lerato said, right? Yes. Um, I also was an entrepreneur, but I wouldn't necessarily call myself an entrepreneur um, because I never... Went full on in it I've okay. always been in a 9 to 5 Right Sure And one of the pieces That I think are so Very key Is education Because I think When someone thinks About entrepreneurship They are thinking about The houses they can buy And this and this And yes. this and this Like they, mm. Entrepreneurship has been Glamorized mm. to the T And it's really Not glamorous Dude um, Amazon started In the 90s and they're only now, now being a major player in, in the last five years, you know? Exactly. And competing with all these other different companies. Sure. Exactly. Like a guy I follow on Instagram, sure. Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes, mm. yes. Incredible guy. Incredible. But the way he shows the real picture of what entrepreneurship, I know it's different because his one is painted with a velvet glove. Yes. But the fact of the matter is that like when people Think entrepreneurship They're just thinking I'm going to get a contract In the next two weeks mm. And it's mm. going to be For millions And so forth And so forth exactly. They're not eager To put up with The weight The mm. struggle And so forth mm. And that's why I say That you're not Even if we say we, We're going to blame Or hold government Responsible for certain things Because to a certain degree They are responsible mm. To a certain degree But in terms of The education that goes Behind that Like listen We're mm. going to fund you For this business You are going to have To probably repay This amount of capital Okay From this funding That we're giving you Mm-hmm it's not going to be easy. So you're probably going to be breaking even in five years. Sure. The question is that is Swoo willing to wait five years to break even before he goes out <laughs> and buys a Mercedes Benz yeah. um, C63S sure. or whatever? And I mean, he's, sure. he's already sure. driving gold BMWs. And you, and you question, then why do you want five million rand seed investment? Mm. If, exactly. If you're, if you're driving a gold BMW. Exactly. Like, I mean, for, exactly. for myself, yeah. I had to make decisions and cut back on certain things. Sure. We had sure. fans cars. We actually let go of the fans cars because we had one goal. Mm. And that yes. was to getting a house that we knew was for our family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. So when you're an entrepreneur, you need to really be willing to cut back, mm. cut mm-hmm. down, and really humble yourself. Mm. And not a lot of people are built for that. Mm. Commitment as well was uh, a major key that you, yeah. you, you spoke about. I think yeah. for any idea, to see through Because you know The first phase of um, Initiating any idea mm. Is to convince people mm. That your idea is worth it mm. yeah. And convincing people That your idea is worth it How many other people Are you competing with mm. right? Who've got Brilliant ideas mm. Who've got innovative ideas You know um, And from there Translating that Into an actual product Where I think As entrepreneurs again um, our, our stumbling block Especially as young people Because we're not trained We think just having an idea is enough, enough. Mm. because Steve Jobs told you uh, I had this. They painted this, mm. you know, Visage. It's, Visage. It's, yes, yeah. yes, yes, of this big idea. Mm. I want to change the world. Mm. There's no way you're going to change the world. Mm. But remember where he told that story, Bongani? He sure. told that story from the Apple head offices. He never told that story from the garage where he first <laughs> built the Thank first you. Mac. And yeah. this is this is my big. This is my my challenge with. 
you know, people romanticizing entrepreneurship. Yes. It's like, you know, quit your job and start a business mm, because it's be going to be the easiest thing you've ever done in your life. Yeah. And that's not the reality. And sure. for me, you know, I stopped motivational speaking because I felt like people didn't want to hear the, the, the ugly yeah. side of it. Yes. All people see is, hey, Tippy, so, you know, you have, you know, three businesses, you're building these streams of income. No, no, no. I have three jobs. 24 hours a day mm. I'm constantly on I'm stressed out mm. I'm, But nobody wants to hear that yeah. yes. Nobody wants to hear about You yeah. know I talk about being self-funded mm. Do you know what it takes For me to be self-funded And you see That's that's the thing um, I mean I'll use my, my personal experience to, to relate to that mm-hmm. I started in investments And then went to the entrepreneurship route For two years And then consulting And Yo Like it, it was uphill Like I'm not even sure. gonna lie when, sure. you, when you leave a comfortable job mm. where you kind of know what you're doing to, for, for the unknown. You need to really be prepared. Mm. You need to be emotionally prepared more than anything. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what government and, and businesses are not uh, focusing their time and energy on. You, they, yeah. They're focusing more on, as you said, ticking boxes a lot mm. of the times. You'll find that um, we say we've supported X amount of entrepreneurs. We say we've, we've, we've upskilled X amount of people. However, um, these people still find it hard to deal with the emotional uh, mm. waves of being a, an, an entrepreneur. Yes. And also to that, to both your points, um, I, I feel like government at this point is, is, is trying with the new president. We'll, we'll see in a couple of months what the outcome is. But Living with this, hope. yeah, uh, with this um, infrastructure fund that's been um, introduced mm-hmm. by, by our president, I think there is kind of some hope um, around how we as South Africans could contribute as well as, as, as business owners yes. to, to seeing a better, mm. better future. So uh, because of time, and I hate this part of the conversation where I have to cut people, um, but one final word um, from our guest in studio to every young person that has dreams like you, and, you know, they, they want to make it in life, but they've obviously mm. got challenges mm. and envision you before you accomplish some of the things that you've been able to accomplish. So we'll start with Lerato. So the, the piece of advice yes. that I'd give is make sure that with everything that you're trying to achieve, you've made a plan for yourself. Um, okay. A plan as to how you integrate into this. all these things. A plan as to how you integrate and then also make sure that you align yourself with people you can learn from. Okay. Learning is like, I think, the, the biggest thing in any journey that you, you, you partake as an individual. Interesting. Um, my piece of advice is don't be afraid to start small. Everybody wants to sell a Range Rover because there's a lot of glamour in it. And there isn't a lot of glamour in selling a Yaris. But it's easier to sell a Yaris because you have a bigger market. Yes. So, you know, there's a book called The Fortune at the Bottom of the Pyramid. Interesting. There okay. is there is nothing wrong with starting small. If you're gonna sell Maguinha yes. every single morning Stop. at the taxi rank, sure. That's a business mm. and it's profitable. Mm. If you know how to do it, you can grow it and you can actually turn it into something. Interesting. Sbura? Simple. Just be intentional. Okay. Know what you want to do. Yes. Have a plan before you even approach anyone. Just always be intentional and let the commitment follow through. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for joining us for this wonderful conversation. I, I guess we, we need a round two of, 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 of this. <laughs> <laughs>
and and and, t- and, and tackle even more issues. Uh, we, we we definitely must communicate that. Um, it is youth leadership platform at Simply Bongani across all social media platforms. Um, it has been great um, playing host to our wonderful guest and reflecting on the issues of leadership in South Africa. But from today, um, from the youth leadership platform, it's good day and God bless. This is CliffCentral.com.